0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: For me, being a journalist was all about being tough and getting on, pushing through it and fighting again next week. For every winner, there's got to be a loser. And I was that loser. But I got paid pretty well for it. And this is me. It's my life. That's what it was.
0: Welcome to Benched, the podcast that brings you stories that are sidelined in the world of sport. Stories that are inspiring, harrowing and often absurd. I'm Mark Turley, sports writer and author of the book Journeyman, The Other Side of the Boxing Business. And I'll be your host for this episode. Today we're going to be talking about boxing, which has been a special interest of mine all my life. I'm from a boxing family. I've always felt that boxing provides many metaphors for life, not only because ultimately it's about controlled violence, and violence is of course a part of human nature, but also in its business practices and its politics. Now boxing, we are told, is on the up at the moment. Anthony Joshua is a huge global star. He's involved in pay-per-view shows. This is contrasted starkly with just a few years ago when there were many predictions of boxing's demise. Carl Froch, uh, who was the premier fighter in the country at the time at super middleweight, when he was in the Super 6 tournament, it's strange to remember now, this is only 9 or 10 years ago, it wasn't shown by any UK broadcasters, Sky, ITV, BBC, nobody showed it and those of us wanting to find those fights had to go online. So things seem to have changed a lot within the space of a decade. I've got with me today a man who's very well positioned uh, to discuss all that side of the game, a man who had no less than 100 professional fights, um, all of which except one, I believe, were boxed in the away corner, and if you don't know what that means, we'll be explaining that shortly. Went in with four world champions and came out of it pretty much unscathed, and that man, of course, is uh, the man once known as Britain's most famous journeyman, self-styled, East End's finest Johnny Greaves how are you doing Johnny?
1: I'm fine, thank you, Mark. You have to excuse the heavy breathing <laughs> i'm afraid've I've, my nose has been punched a few times, so Johnny,
0: obviously, a lot of uh people who watch boxing on Saturday night, what we might call the casual fans, people that will pay their twenty five quid or whatever it is to watch Anthony Joshua in high definition on Sky these days, probably don 't understand a lot of how uh, boxing shows are set up at the lower levels of the game, places like York Hall, where you boxed um, frequently. So you obviously went in from the beginning of your career as an away corner fighter. Could you just explain about the home and the away corners in
1: boxing and how that works? Um, well, I'd say to box in the, in the home corner, you're paying for your own opponent out of your boxing ticket sales. Not only that, you've also got to put the neck proportion into putting the show together you paying for your ring, your, your doctor's... your. So the
0: home corner fighter has to go out and sell tickets?
1: For most of the young lads on the small hall scene, you're actually going out, driving out, selling your own tickets. Absolutely. I mean, you, you don't get no publicity. Right. You don't get Frank Warren putting his hand in his pocket. You've you literally got to get out and, and do it yourself.
0: So if, you know, Joe Bloggs turns professional as a boxer, a typical kid, 19, 20 years old, he's got his debut at York Hall yep. in a couple of months... The promoter or manager, what's he going to say to him? How many tickets have you got to sell? Um,
1: I mean, when I turned pro, I mean, Cole Greaves, my my manager, said to me, look, Johnny, you've got to go out and sell 100 tickets. It was doable. Mm. Don't get me wrong, it was doable. But mm. even through my experience in the unlicensed boxing game, I found that everybody wanted 10 tickets until it was actually time to pay for those. <laughs> I mean, there's a hell of a lot of home fighters now that once they've already paid the opponent the house... There's not really many tickets they've sold left. So these these kids are boxing for nothing. Mm-hmm. All right, they might go and get a win and get a pat on the back and their friends saying how great they are, which is all well and good. But when you've got two kids at home, it, it wasn't in my interest. I needed to earn money yesterday. So what was the other option then? That- the other option would be to go out on the road. That means you go in, you're, you're you're the opponent, no one told you to lose as such, but you're just a cog in the wheel. and You know, these home fighters building up their record, getting the odd win wouldn't help you out too much. You're there, you fight, you haven't got to sell a ticket, you get paid a lot better money than you would do if you was a ticket seller.
0: So you just said as the ticket seller, yes, um, the home corner fighter, if you taken that route, for your debut, you were looking at maybe 600 quid if you it won't six, be paid off. In,
1: unless you're a massive ticket seller, but yeah, I mean, you're looking sort of six, seven, eight hundred quid. Tops. Okay.
0: So, as the journeyman, as the guy going in in the away corner to box the ticket seller, you don't have to sell any tickets. No. You um, turn up on the day, how much do you get
1: paid? I got paid, I think, for my debut, about 1650. So it's a no brainer? It's a no brainer. <laughs> it was, you know, to me, look, I'm an East End guy, I was a painter and decorator. So, it's a question of getting there, fight, get paid, come home hopefully fight again next week and that 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 was how it stayed for the for the four years i was boxing pro
0: so before you started your boxing career johnny what were your expectations looking forward obviously you weren't necessarily looking at titles and things like that so what what was the kind of aim
1: absolutely not well i remember talking to my other half my partner beforehand uh, and i said i'm gonna have 100 fights
0: why why 100 it
1: was just a number that that Stuck in my head for quite a while, so I actually remember Cole was on the phone and I said, Cole, I'm gonna have 100 fights. And he actually said, in his, in his Midlands accent, he actually said, like F off, Johnny, you're not even had one fight yet. But my mind was always set on 100 fights, um, not 115, not 101, it was. 100 fights, and that's the way it was.
0: So, when we look back <laughs> at your record, Johnny, we're looking at a record which, to the average person in the street who's a general sports fan, it's shocking would probably look at that and think, What the hell is going on there? Because we're talking yes. about 100 fights, 96 defeats, is that yes. correct? And yes. f- only four, wins, four d- wins during that time. Um, when you look back on the record yourself, what are your feelings? Bearing in mind what we've just said about the boxing business and the way that it works, and that, I mean it was a path that you chose, wasn't it? It yes. wasn't. So, where, where, where do you feel about it now when you look back on it?
1: I still see my career as a, as a, a massive success. I only ever got stopped genuinely twice yeah. against real good fighters, but I earned good money. You know, my 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 kids at steaks and you know, I ate pretty well. The kids were dressed well. More than a lot of the other opponents, I, I boxed on every top show, the big arenas in front of thousands of people. That for me, it was a buzz, mm, um, of course it absolute was. buzz, and I, I missed that side a bit. Did you enjoy than,
0: being the bad guy coming out of the ring? I, I, and... I
1: loved it. I mean, there was one occasion I boxed um, <laughs> Johan Perez. who was an absolute great fight, and we it was went on to be world champion. Yeah, didn't went on to be a world champion, and he was a, a, a KO merchant. But we was actually the fight before David Hay and Audley Harrison wow, okay. at the uh, Emyon Arena.
0: So live on Sky, I imagine, as
1: well. We, we was live on TV. It was, it was fantastic. But Johan was so heavy-handed, it was ridiculous. So I literally had to pull every bit of experience out there, but everything I could. I think at one point, I even kicked him in the shin at one point. <laughs> and at the end... I think I got booed by quite a few thousand people uh, for did, obviously uh, <laughs> the uh, for obviously the tactics I was using. But even that, was it was fantastic. What a buzz that was. I
0: think I remember the end of that fight, you uh, brushed his hair I with your glove and did a little shimmy yeah, in front I of him. Yeah, I certainly
1: did. Uh, and then to get, to get booed by thousands of people, it was like, what a buzz.
0: So if we think about those 96 defeats, just to delve a little bit deeper, obviously most of the time you're going in as the away corner fighter you've probably taken the fight on short notice you know that you haven't trained in the same way that the home corner fighter has so there's all that stuff going on sometimes though it does go a little bit further than that doesn't it and there have been times where you've been given instructions beforehand that you're boxing this lad he's a bit vulnerable or something look after him um, so could you explain a little bit about how that works, please?
1: Um, for a certain promoter, you're out booked out on these next next few shows. So it's a look, I've got this this lad, he's, he's a big ticket seller. What would we be talking about, a big ticket seller? What would he sell? You're looking two, three hundred tickets. Which uh, is worth... Especially for the lad I'm talking about, which could be, you know...
0: Seven or eight grand, maybe? May, maybe so, yes. yeah.
1: So... You see, nobody's interest for me to go and upset this ticket seller because the next show out, this kid can't sell a ticket because he's coming off a loss. Mm. You see, nobody's interest. Even getting the wins, you become part of the Who Needs Him Club, not just for the boxers, for the promoters. Who needs Johnny Greaves when he's going to upset our upper cart? So
0: in some of those cases, though, the the promoter might actually speak to you beforehand and say, look, this is a different sort of job.
1: But even then, I still used to try and cover my back before when they get offered these jobs, look, Make sure you'd say, look, this kid's got to play the game also. Meaning what? I, I'm no punch bag for nobody. Hmm. Um, so if a lad's going to come out with instructions to to play, look, points win, straight Well, he keeps winning, I fight again next week, happy days, everyone's all good. Oh, of course. So you take a, a, a walkabout job as such, and the kid comes out like a steam train and throws 300 punches in the first two seconds. <laughs> you know, I've still got pride not only that, I was a bit of a fiery character back then as well. So look, if you're going to take a liberty, no, well, I'm, I'm I'm going to stand and fight you. I'll fight you till till the cars come home. It doesn't does bother me at all.
0: Right, let's take it back a little bit, Johnny. So from junior amateur, you didn't go straight into the pros, did you? What, no. what What was your boxing journey from there?
1: What happened? I'd actually come out of the amateur box. I was still going in the gym and doing a bit. You know, I enjoyed in the bags and stuff. But, um, you know, through my sort of early 20s start getting into going into pubs and this, that and the other. Hmm. Whatever happened, I found myself in in a little bit of debt. It was only a few hundred quid to people maybe I shouldn't been in debt with. Right. Um but anyway, I was in the gym one afternoon and there was a lad that I'd known in the gym, trained together for, for, for quite for a while and he walked into the gym and he had a he had a couple of black eyes and his face was crack. I said, What happens to you? like And he went oh, I had an unlicensed boxing match at the weekend. I went, Oh, like, you know, what's all that about? And he said, well, well Got paid a few hundred quid, like, when they had this fight, got paid. and Circus Tavern? Circus Tavern, yeah. Was it Circus absolutely, Tavern? Yep. And I said, oh, you know, my ears pricked up a little bit. And I thought, "Well, give, the, give me the promoter's number. Now, I phoned the promoter, um, Alan Maltlock, who's... He's a
0: you know, famous figure within that world, isn't he? Famous figure in the unlicensed boxing he game. Put puts is.
1: on many shows, mm. a bit of a face himself. Yeah. You were funny enough, I've had a lad that pulled out on this show on Saturday night down at York Hall. Cool. What, what were you paid, sort of thing? I think it was only about £100, £150 a round, something like that. He paid you
0: by the round?
1: He paid you by the round. That's but interesting. For that my car, first one, well, and I was right. like, so I, I never sold the tickets. I was just the opponent. Yep. So I think that was on the Wednesday, and I had my first fight on the Saturday night. Which simple was, as that. Was simple <laughs> as that. And not only that, a box in front of the crowd at York Hall, was a famous you know, venue. I loved it. And then I actually got off of the fight for the. Uh, the the British title in the unlicensed game and I well. boxed an ex-pro Matty Leonard not the sort of lad you'd want to punch him in a pub with <laughs> um, so I was unbeaten up till then but anyway boxed Matty Leonard I think over in Watford I remember I come out and I caught Matt with a three or four punch combination best probably the best three or four pun- punches I'd ever put together bang on the button and he laughed at me and, 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 and said something derogatory <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, wow, you know what I mean? This kid yeah, was, was real tough. tough so um, <laughs> I, I think he stopped me in the last round. But it's the first time I'd actually been beaten. But wow, did I learn so so much from it?
0: Something that I think is quite interesting um, to talk about with you, Johnny, is I mean, you've mentioned that you know you're proud in your career, yep. you made made a few quid, but obviously you were someone who had a little bit of ability. You started boxing quite young. Yep. If you had chosen the other path and you'd been bothered to sell tickets and and um, you know, try to make it work in the home corner. What do you think you could have achieved in the game?
1: I am absolutely one hundred percent convinced that if I'd have lived a life and turned pro, in, I turned pro at for, I was thirty years old when I had my debut. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, I'd have done that ten years previously. I had ability coming out of my bits.
0: You must have been in fights at times where you're boxing someone and you know really you're there to lose and you're in the wake and you're thinking I'm actually better than this kid. If 100%. I if I was fit and I you know.
1: One hundred percent, but even even then, see the difference is now you've got to be fighting for forty eight weeks per year. It's tough, isn't it? So, your opponent would be given a, a fight date two or three months in, in advance. So they are fighting, working to peak on that particular night. All their sparring, all their training, being around peaking. They have a training camps. They're, to... they're training camps and this that now, but yeah. look, if I if I if you train yourself to a peak and try to keep at that for 48 weeks per year you'd literally burn yourself out Yeah. so you know a lot of time you get a phone call on a Thursday unbox on a Friday you get a phone call on a Saturday morning unbox on a Saturday night you literally
0: what's the shortest notice fight you ever took
1: I actually went up to to do Jody Meikle's corner old oh, Jody again bless him <laughs> um, I went up to do his corner at your call and the promoter come round out oh, I Mickey Elliott what are you weighing I said about 10-3 when do you want to fight I went what are you paying so anyway, I go for that. So it was a bit of a nightmare actually because I found I found the other half at home and I said, "Look, Vicky, can you meet me at Chablis Station? I need shorts, boots, and gumshield. Don't forget <laughs> don't forget any of the three, and I'll meet you at the station because I'm fighting tonight. Like you know." So anyway, gets to Chablis, she passed me the bag through the car window, so back on the train. Back to your call, and I was actually boxing about 45 minutes an hour after that. Oh, my God. Uh, but actually emptying out the bag, she'd only forgotten my gum shield, didn't she? Oh, dear. There was uh, another trainer I knew I had a fighter on, Ian Burbage. He had a fighter on, I think it was a... I think it might have been an heavyweight or something. So, got to, obviously, the fighters, you got to have a spare gum shield. So, he's lent me his spare, which you got to put in... The it as far, so It didn't fit, <laughs> so... First round, I've I've got a smack in the front teeth. I've, I've, I know for I've got a mouthful of blood. I've have lost my front tooth. And oh no! So anyway, after the fight, I pulled his gums out, out, got my front tooth stuck in it. What I earned from that fight? Spent at the dentist. I spent <laughs> at the dentist the next day so it was a bit of a nightmare to be fair. So
0: your last fight, Johnny, of your career, your hundredth. Yeah. You went. You were going for a hundred fights. Yep. Obviously, you've got to the milestone, and it was set up against some somebody Carl. What was his name?
1: Uh, Dan Carr. Dankar,
0: Carr, that's right. D- was dirty Dankar. Dirty Dan Dan Carr, car. who's another active journeyman <laughs> on was. the scene at the time. So I, mean, I was actually there that night at York Hall, but uh, talk us through that, that last...
1: Well, I actually would have preferred someone that that, that come because I, I would have rather gone out on a, on a complete shootout right. um, rather than an opponent who was there to sort of mess about. I, I wanted a, I wanted a, a, a real... dick wanted dong. a war. Yeah, I wanted a tear war, up. Up. so i was really ready for a tear-up. But I think I sold... 360, 70 tickets, which is, that's good going to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I thought it was the first time I ever had. My, my partner and the kids, uh, fight. I would never have let my kids come to a fight. I'm there to lose. Too.
0: And would, Were the emotions yeah. different beforehand? Cause it the was...
1: emotions were something else. I mean, I, I remember being in tears in before the final quarter walks to the ring and I was determined, I think, I would have beaten anyone. I mean, that night I, I would have had a go against literally yeah. anyone. I would have walked through brick walls. I was real nervous beforehand, it was just something I, I wasn't used to. Obviously, it was, yeah for the mid-park market, it was more of a job than it was... I know. You know, a boxing match, it was a job and you just get there, get your job done, go home, get paid and go home. But um for that one it was it was a it was a mix, like I said. I mean you're looking out the ring before round, I've got I've got my me, me mum sitting there and me dad and uh um, look round, I've got I've got both my kids sitting there. It was a feel I'll never forget that day, as long as literally as long as I ever live. Did I, the
0: win contribute to that? Of
1: course it, it did, obviously. So, it was lovely to go out as a winner.
0: Yeah. I do think there's something quite interesting. Psychologically, there, Johnny, that although you were doing this throughout your career as a job and you yeah. were losing week after week after week because that's what you were supposed to do, actually, you still, there's something in you that still wanted to be a winner. And so, and did that, was that difficult to manage that inside your mind? You it know, it was.
1: Everybody wants a winner, Everyone's a, everyone wants them pats on the back and, and everything else. But the fact of the matter is, it wouldn't have paid my bills. It wouldn't no. have fed the kids in no. the way that. It was a practical decision. Uh, it was a practical decision. But Did it trouble that's you? The way it was. Did it, were there times? At you, times. You... I mean, look, you know, it's no secret. I've always suffered with with depression. I still do now. Mm. Um, take medication and stuff. I, I'm not going to lie about that. I've always been quite open with. You know, it was hard sometimes. It was. It was. Uh, you know, you go in there to to get five hundred or thousand people's slagging her and cheering every time he caught it, get hit and uh, it was you know it was, it was quite hard going
0: Was there an element because I know that um, something else that you were known for was that you'd often uh, you'd be out the back having a roll up before yeah, you, a <laughs> of before, you walked, before you walked to the ring <laughs> I mean ring. See, you were smoke, you're smoking 20 a day weren't you throughout your yeah, career yeah
1: oh, throughout my career I mean I, I was but to be fair I mean even then I mean that sounds ridiculous really but I'll be, I'll be in the gym as often as as a lot of these winning fight people, and simply because obviously with are a smoking habit. If you're out of the gym for a week, you there's, get back to the gym sort of, the week after. An interesting so, so I had to south. keep training to sort of to keep up the uh, the smoking drinking lifestyle.
0: And and uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this, Johnny, or not. It's up to you. But I know that um, there were times as well. It wasn't just a roll up before the fight that you were you know. I was on the night before.
1: Like I said, yeah. I mean. I'll, I'll can, talk can you tell the story because, about the
0: Irish one, the bloke that you fought in Ireland? Um, and you...
1: Yeah, well, we we went over... A I mean, this is ridiculous. If yeah. one of my own fighters done it, mm. or I found out they had done it, I'll pull him out, 100%. Mm. But we actually went over to boxer O'Sheem Fagan. Irish champion? Irish champion. Yeah. Irish champion just to box Amir Khan. Now, he carried on box. I think he got through the apron with a broken out. I mean, O'Sheem was a tough, he was a tough, tough guy. Yeah. He was a real tough guy. But anyway, it's the first time I went over... Carl was there, but he he had his own room. i had my own hotel room. Unfortunately, I made the decision to sort of stay up and get on the get on the piss. This is the
0: night before the fight.
1: This is the night before the fight. i had my own hotel room. I did come across a couple of other substances as well, doing whatever I was South doing American until. substances. Yes. Now over in over in Ireland, you do your, your fight medical in the morning. So the doctor comes and they actually get you running on a, on a, on a treadmill.
0: So, you haven't been to sleep? Not been You've been up all night life, buzz, got, buzzing your oh, knackers oh, off. Oh, and... my eyes are like
1: saucepans <laughs> One then, one, so I get you up on this, uh, this treadmill. And I thought, I'm actually going to go have a heart attack. I I'm going to die. We come in, got called out to the arena as well. So, I got in the ring. So, I'm having a dance and a shout. And anyway, the, the, the announcer came and there's been a hold up. It's going to be 10 minutes before the fight. So, they've asked me to go back to the change room. Like, oh, i here now. <laughs> So I've actually stayed in the ring now. so like a massive Irish crowd in there. So I've just danced around the ring for 10 minutes. I'm literally dancing for an only shuffles. And like I've got these people looking at me as if I was completely off my rocker. Dear yeah, idea. Um, but you got um, through the fight? Got through the fight. One of the best performances in my career.
0: Wow. The boxing scene's changing all the time. Yeah. And obviously it is apparently booming now with all the big pay-per-view shows and all that. Has it changed at all? At the small hall level, are there still guys out there doing the journeyman job as you used there, to do? There, it, there
1: is more foreigners right. coming over doing it now. So the actual Eastern Europeans, East, East Europeans, and uh, and and things like that. So the actual British journeyman is sort of in massive decline. There's not the numbers there was. I mean, years ago when I was boxing, at one point we was actually going to. a a German prize fighter which I think Matchroom was actually interested in Mm. the ones that turned it down was Sky Sports um, which I think would have been the best show they put on Mm. Uh, rather than being two probable winners out of eight there would have been eight lads in there that was would have had to, would have would have fought their life to to walk away with that title.
0: The the Eddie Hearn thing with uh, with the prize fighter was always ticket sellers, wasn't it? Yes. It, was, it was always bringing in big tickets because I know Jerome Wilson wanted to do it and wasn't allowed because he wasn't I, selling enough tickets. I think so.
1: Even then, I think all of us lads, I mean me personally, would have sold. Hundreds of tickets for that, mm. and I think all the other lads. Don't forget, there would have been eight fighters in there who would have all been capable of winning. Yeah, I mean, you used to get a lot of them shows. Look, you could pick the winner before the first contest. Yeah, no, of course, and, and you could, and that's that's not even an exaggeration. You could pick like one or two winners, and you know full well that that's a final before the first bell. Yeah, with that German thing, it wouldn't have been that one. No, around like welter, welter. I think there a we lot of- all would have gone in there, all with the ambition that we're going to win this.
0: What was the prize money for prize fighter usually for I think, the?
1: Win? I think the winner was on about thirty-two
0: grand. There you go. So for a journeyman, that's that's a big payday. It's a massive payday. Absolutely. So all I mean, up on, that, on a
1: small, full, small four round is this thirty-two fights? I'm yeah. for that. <laughs> that's you right. know what I mean. Nah, yeah. that's it's a, sh- a shame a, they never went for it. That's a lot of punches on the ooty, haven't yeah. got right. <laughs>
0: Well, lovely to see you again, Johnny, after a couple of years and uh, hope life's treating you well after boxing. What are you up to very briefly? uh, uh,
1: Um, Well, I should be back painting walls again in the morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're training
0: and and managing as well, aren't you?
1: I am. I'm training fighters. I'm managing a few. um, And we're going pretty well at the moment. See you in Las Vegas one day. Maybe so. Hopefully so. All
0: right, Johnny. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate.
1: Thanks a lot, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: This episode of Benched was produced by Jake Warren, Sandra Ferrari, with additional research and help from Jake Oteevich. Music by Matt Huxley. If you want to hear more episodes of Benched, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's all from me, Mark Turley. Thanks for listening.